Hey, I want to continue our uh, preaching. I've been preaching on and off uh, over the last year, and I'm finally picking it back up again. I want to preach on Samson. Let's get to looking at Sa I love the story of Samson. So let me catch you up. Samson, Samson, he wanted this Philistine girl, and God had told him he doesn't want them to go take wives of the Philistines. Well, he wanted her because she looked really, really good looking to him. And he told his mom, I and dad, I want her. I don't want nobody else. I want her. So they went down. They were going to have a marriage. They went down there where they decided to have a riddle, have a contest. And he had killed this lion with his bare hands. And when he killed that lion with his bare hands, he came back a few, uh, maybe a month later or so. And that lion had bees, had made a nest in that dead lion's cork, cork, carcass. So when he gets down there to the marriage feast, to the, to the wedding... He's down there, and he, he makes him a riddle, and he says, Hey, if you can solve this riddle, I'll give you 30 changes of garment. And he riddles them out, some riddle. Well, nobody could figure it out. Nobody could figure out the riddle. Well, these guys that he had made this uh, bet with, they went to his wife, and they said, uh, Tell us what the riddle is. And then she wouldn't tell them, because he hadn't told her. And she'd go, Samson, please, please tell me what, you, what the riddle is. He's like, No, I'm not going to tell you. Well, she, the Bible says she kept pressing on him. to. She, he finally said, Okay, baby, what the riddle is, is it's sweet as honey, and, and it had to do with the line and the honey. Well... She went straight and told these guys, because these guys were threatening to burn down her and her dad's house. So she went and told them. So whenever, at the very last day of the feast, they get up and said, what's like a line as sweet as honey? And, of course, they figured out the riddle. What does he say? You wouldn't have figure it, figured it out if you hadn't been plowing with my heifer. That's the words. Well, he gets mad. He goes down there, and you know how he gets 30 changes of garment? He just goes down and kills 30 guys. Gets their garments and then brings them back and he gets them. And he's so mad he don't marry his wife, he just leaves her. Samson comes back one day and guess what? He has a change of mind. I want to go back to my wife. I've changed my mind. He goes down there to the dad, knocks on her door and says, hey, where's my wife? He goes, well, I thought you didn't want her. I already gave her to another man. Well, that makes Samson mad. See, these stories of the Bible, these are real stories. that You know, this is how men really act. So the man gets mad, Samson gets mad, so he goes and he takes him a while, but he gathers 30 fo 300 foxes. And he catches these 300 foxes, and he takes these foxes, and what we would say is like a, a, a torch, with, you know, like a torch. He took these foxes, he tied a, a lit, a fire torch on these tails of these foxes, and he set them loose through all the fields of the Philistines and just burned them all down. <laughs> burned all these Philistines' fields down. Well, they come down after him, they come down to get him, and he killed a bunch of them. Now, remember, Samson's got the strength that God's given him. And he kills a bunch of them. And, he, and, and whenever they do that, they first they kill his, his wife that he wanted to marry, and her father, they burn her up. And then we're picking up the story in verse 9. After he's killed a bunch of them, this is, we're picking up the story now. Hope that catches you up. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. Lehi means jawbone. This is interesting. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson, or we come up to do to him as he had done to us. So the Philistines are after Samson, and the, they come up, big old horde of them come up, and the, and the Jews are like, Why are you coming up against us? They're like, We're looking for Samson. Look at verse 11. Then 3,000 men of Judah, that's, that's Samson's own people, of Judah went to the top of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? 
What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. <laughs> so Samson's by himself. Basically, you'd see it be on top of Indian Gap Mountain here. He'd be on top. So about 3,000 men come up there and say, What have you done, Samson? They're ruling over us, and now they're mad at us. Can you imagine how bad a man Samson is that it takes 3,000 men to go talk to him? That's a bad dude. <laughs> That's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and uh, whoever. That's all wrapped in one is Samson, Hercules. That's where the Hercules come from. Samson. They're scared of him. It takes 3,000 of them to ask him a question. Verse 12, And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. Samson says, Hey, I'll let you bind me, but you can't be the one that kills me. Verse 13, And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast, and del deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords, and brought him up from the rock. They have to ask his permission to bind him. That's how bad a dude this is. Hey, can we bind you, please, pretty please? Yeah, I'll let you bind me, as long as you don't kill me. And they're like, okay, yeah, we, we promise not. So they bind him up. Bind him up. They're going to take him down to the Philistines. They're going to turn Samson. Because that's who the Philistines want. They want this sorry, no good Samson that's been causing all the trouble. Verse 14. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. They all started cheering. There he is. Yeah. Oh, we got him. We, they're all cheering. And they're clapping. And they're yelling. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. That didn't go very well. Samson's going along, everything. They got him captured. He's bound up. We finally got the instigator. We finally got the troublemaker, Samson. And they're shouting and screaming and hollering and patting each other on the back. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire. And his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and poured forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. <laughs> They're all cheering, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And the Spirit of the Lord comes on Samson. Samson goes, kind of like the Hulk, Incredible Hulk, just goes, and he sees a new jaw, he sees an old donkey's head laying over there. It's a, it gets that bone, and he just starts, he just starts slaughtering them. A thousand of them. This is like an old samurai movie. I used to love old samurai movies. Where it's so like this, and the guy would be with the sword just one after another. That's what you're doing with Sam. Sam's just killing them heaps upon heaps. Get, what, what does that mean? Look at the next verse. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps. He's killing so many of them. He's killing them. They're dropping dead. He's starting to crawl on top of them. <laughs> That's Samson. It's a bad dude. Not with a sword, not with an axe, not with a machine gun. The jawbone of an ass. Verse 16, and Samson said with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. That's an amazing story. That one man could take on a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass and slay them. This morning I'm going to preach on being slain with the jawbone of an ass. 
The first question I want to ask you is this. If you're, you went home and somebody said, I heard your dad got killed. Yeah, yeah, my dad got killed. I heard he got killed in battle. Yeah, he got killed in battle. How'd he get killed? He got slain by the jawbone of an ass. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be? How embarrassing would that be to have to admit your dad got killed by... One man killed your dad? How many other men were... Well, he only had 999 up there to help him. But it was Samson. What's so special about Samson? He's got the Spirit of the Lord on him. Brothers and sisters, y'all all had the Spirit of the Lord in you. And God can do some amazing things with you. And no matter how many men or women are against you, you got the Spirit of the Lord on you, and you will be victorious. I want to preach this morning on being slain by the jawbone of an ass. So why do I keep saying it? We're going to, I'm going to be preaching on being slain. Because here's the truth. Everybody in this room can do the same thing. Everybody in this room can slay somebody with their jaw. So once a year, probably, you can ask Patsy Fields about this, because I'm... <laughs> Talk to Patsy about this all the time. It seems like once a year, the Lord lays it on my heart because I got such a big, fat mouth to preach on our tongue. Everybody in this room can slay somebody with your jaw. And that's what I'm going to focus on this morning is your mouth and the words you say and how dangerous they can be. As you see there in verse 16, Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, and with the jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And I hope y'all didn't get too offended when I just followed the, followed the biblical word and used the jawbone of an ass. Because I'm referring to some of y'all as being the jawbone of an ass. And you say, oh, oh, my ears. Now don't be, too, now don't be offended and then go out the doors and tell, me, and tell me, oh yeah, I was watching TV yesterday. Because that's a biblical word I just used there and it was a lot worse on TV, amen. Amen, okay. I'm just using the biblical word. I'm trying, to hit the, I'm trying to make the point hit home that we're all can be jerks in here with our mouths. How does that happen? Well, it all begins there starting in verse 10. It all begins with our attitude. It all begins with our attitude. Verse 10, it says there, The men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, That would be the Philistines said, To bind Samson or we come up, to do to him as he had done to us. See, they got that attitude like, we're going to do unto him what he's done unto us. So look at the end of verse 11. What's Samson's answer? And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Is that the right attitude? No, that's not the right attitude. That's the world's attitude. What's our attitude supposed to be as Christians? Do unto others as we would have done unto us. Amen? And then what Christ told us, Therefore all things whatsoever you would, would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them? That's one of the main teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hey, treat other people like you want to be treated. The world's attitude is, hey, you do it to me, I'm going to do it to you. Jesus Christ taught us, hey, you have a right to pay them back, but give up that right. Forgive them. Pray for those that despitefully use you. That's one of the greatest teachings of Jesus Christ. What does that teaching do? That teaching puts a stop to this nonsense you've just seen happen here. 
He killed him, he killed them, they killed him, they were going after him, so he had to kill a thousand then. They come up there, and then he picks up the jawbone, he kills a thousand more. It's just nonstop until somebody takes up the teachings of Jesus Christ and has their heart right with God. Nothing's going to change about this violence, and it's not. You're not going to see it change. Your heart directly affects your mouth. Your heart is your attitude. And your heart directly affects what comes out of your mouth. So this week is a perfect example why the Lord laid in my heart to preach this message. Because I've had the worst attitude this week than a man could have. I just, <laughs> you say, here's confession time. Nope, I'm not confessing nothing. <laughs> Between me and the Lord Jesus Christ. But my mouth has, has been writing checks that my body cannot cash. Because I've got a big mouth and when I get mad... And I get mad in my heart and things don't go right like I think they should go in my heart. What do I do? I just take it humbly as a Christian. No, I'm like, rah, rah. I just start, it just all starts coming out. Why are you griping and complaining and griping? What's wrong with me? What's the matter with me? It's my heart. Jesus Christ told us that, uh, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when my heart is away from God, when my heart doesn't have the right attitude that God wants it to have, the Lord Jesus Christ has taught me to have, that's when I'm speaking the worst. Amen. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaketh. Whatever's going on in your heart, the abundance of that, that's what you're going to talk about. If a man has his heart completely on hunting, all he wants to talk about is hunting. If he has it on sports, all he wants to talk about is sports. And the worst thing in the world is when a man has his heart on some girl he's just met. And he wants to talk about her. She's so sweet. And he, you know how when a man first falls in love, has that puppy dog love? Some of you women remember that about your husbands? Boy, he's getting quiet in here. And it's kind of, you see him, the, man is, the man's opening the door for his girlfriend. And then after you're married, you're slamming the door on her, you know. And remember the picture we've seen, but... <laughs> Remember the picture of that guy's face, you know, ah, you know. Praise the Lord. It's with the wrong attitude, having the wrong attitude. Turn to James chapter 3. Turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Here we go. Biblical. Bible. There's lots and lots of Bible warnings about your mouth. I know some of y'all probably think sometimes, why does Brother Keegan always quote that verse? Every idle word man shall give account of in the day of judgment. That's what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said, every, every idle word man shall give account of in the day of judgment. It seems like I've been quoting that a lot lately. But you know what? That means we need to hear it a lot. Because the Bible warns us, Jesus Christ warns us that everything we say, everything that comes out of our mouth, we're going to have to give account of. I'm here to tell you what you might not realize this morning, and you will after we leave this church building, is that your tongue is the most dangerous weapon you own. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Not your gun, not your, your knife. Your tongue is dangerous. Very dangerous. Look at uh, James chapter 3. Look, pick it up at verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. I'd say so. And, uh, and able also to bridle the whole body. 
Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. That little, that little thing on the back of that ship, it just turns like that, and it's moving that whole big ship in whatever direction. That's your tongue. It controls your whole body. And if you can bridle that tongue, you can put a bridle on that tongue, or you can put a muzzle on that mouth, you're going to be doing a whole lot better. Amen, 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 amen. I'll amen myself. See, stay here, but look at chapter 1, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, y'all think y'all are religious? I try to be religious in the sense of trying to do what Jesus Christ wants me to do. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth, bridleth not, bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. See that, the heart? This man's religion is vain. You're walking around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a good Christian. And then you're stabbing people in the back with your tongue. You're talking bad about people behind their back. You're bad-mouthing them. You're, being, you're a gossiper. You're a backbiter. You're no good Christian at all. Don't we all do that? Man. You know what the Bible says we're supposed to be doing for Biden right now? Praying for him. Raise your hand if you prayed for Biden this morning. <laughs> Just not a lot of heads going up. Raise your hand if you talked bad about Biden this morning. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 5. Let's see what the Bible says about this tongue you have. I'm about to show you why this tongue is the most dangerous Dangerous thing you own. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's just a little bitty thing in your mouth. And boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I've seen a word like, sorry, diffuse a whole bad situation. I've seen just the word, I'm sorry, diffuse a situation that was about to blow up. And I've seen the word, whatever, <laughs> blow things up into a war where guys are literally fist fighting. Over one word. Where if that, one, that guy would have said, hey, I'm sorry. But the guy says, whatever, and there goes the fist flying. One word. One tongue. And look, boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. What do we know living here in West Texas? What do we know living here? We know that when the little fire starts up, you better get the whole fire department over here because before long we're going to have 3,000 acres burned. Because it hadn't stopped blowing, wind hadn't stopped blowing in about four months. That's strange, isn't it? Pretty strange. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. What does fire do? It burns people. It's unquenchable. What, do you know, what else do we know about fires? It never has enough. We got some retired firemen in the church this morning. They they know this better than I do. You can't you just you can't play with fire. But the Bible says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Everything we talk about is thing. Everything we talk about doing this wicked stuff, we'll talk about it. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. What your mouth says will ruin your health. 
What comes out of your mouth can ruin your health, can ruin your friendships, can ruin your families, can ruin your job status, can ruin everything about you, can ruin your testimony with the lost man or woman. Everything, something that comes out of your mouth can do that. It defileth the whole body. It's just your tongue. And look, and set it on fire the course of nature. You talk about it before you go do it. And look at this at the end of verse 6. And it is set on fire of hell. <laughs> Golly. Woo. Don't get much stronger than that. It's set on fire of hell. Your, your tongue is pretty dangerous. Hell fire. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. And that's true. But the tongue can no man tame. <laughs> wow. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Let me give you some advice, or actually if you think about it, some tips that God has given us. When you think about God's creation, and God's, God's your creator, and he created you a certain way, and this is what he created you to do. He created you with a mouth that holds the tongue, and that mouth, it shuts. Your ears are not designed to shut. In other words, you should be doing a whole lot more listening than you are talking. It's an unruly evil full of deadly, deadly poison. Parents, friends, wives, spouses, everybody in here, your words can be deadly poison to your relationships. You can say the wrong thing and it can literally change a person's life. When you tell your son or daughter or you tell a friend or you tell somebody, you're stupid. You're an idiot. You start using things like that, those words have power. The biggest lie ever given out by the devil is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie straight out of hell. Words do hurt you. I've been emotionally hurt a lot more. I've been hurt a lot more by something somebody said to me than anything anybody's ever done to me physically. I've had people say stuff to me in that foyer of that back here in the back, in the foyer of that church, and they walk out, and they'll never know how they cut me like a knife. I mean, cut me like a knife and just ruin my attitude. My poor wife has to deal with me going all the way home. That's a 40-minute drive. And you know what I'm doing on that 40-minute drive? I'm not praying. I'm not that good a Christian. You know what I'm going to do for 40 minutes? I'm going to grab and complain. You should have heard what they said to me. And my wife's like, please change the channel. Please change it. See how it sits on fire, the course of nature? One, just a few words to me, it sets it off on me, and now I'm running my mouth all wet, and then it puts my wife in a bad mood, and my wife, she's going to be tempted to start doing that, right? If somebody would have just took the time to say, I'm not going to say that. Well, I'm going to stop talking about it. The best thing you can do is just stop talking about it. Verse 9, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. I see that a lot. Come into church, praise God, praise God, and then leave the church, I hate his guts. I hate them. I, I tell you what I do. I wish they'd just kill over and die. These are actual accounts. I don't have to make this stuff up. 
There's some of them come out of my mouth. See how deadly this tongue is? I got some good news for you. It could be worse. And the Lord can still use that jaw that you're slaying people with, because you can slay somebody with this jaw. God can use it, and can use it, and will use it. Turn back to Judges. So I know I've been giving you, it's all bad. It's like negative, negative, negative. But it's good, brothers. Just hang in there. There's good stuff coming. It seems negative. It's all negative, negative, negative. Yeah, you need to hear the bad before you get the good, right? Let's turn back to Judges chapter 15. Judges chapter 15. So the question might come up, and I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do I stop this? How do I stop this? How do I stop using my mouth to slay people? How do I stop, how do I stop using my mouth to make things worse for people? And to make... First off is to get your heart right with God. I've noticed when I've read my Bible and been faithful to being in the Scripture, been faithful to praying and having a good prayer life with the Lord Jesus Christ, been faithful to going to church, being faithful to doing those things, I've noticed that my attitude's a lot better in my heart. And I notice that when my heart's better, then the stuff don't come out. But whenever my heart's not right with God, I'm looking for a way to cuss you out. I'm looking for a way to talk bad about you. I'm looking for a way to, oh, I hate their guts. I wish I hit the road, man. That's just me. But when I'm right with God, I'm a lot, lot, more, I'm a lot better about saying, you know, I'm going to pray for them. But it's a heart. The second step is do what Samson did here. Look at verse 17. How to stop slaying people with your jaw. So he slays them. With the jawbone of an ass, and this is verse 17, it came to pass when he had, done, had made an end of speaking, look at that, when he made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramathelia, which is the heel of the, heel of the jawbone. That's what that means, Ramathelia. But notice he says in the middle of verse 17 that he cast away the jawbone. Guys, it's just so simple. <laughs> just stop talking. The Bible in another place says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. You know how to keep yourself out of trouble? Don't talk. There's a, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, you'll be counted as a wise man if you will not talk. You understand what that means? Like when other men are around, some of y'all men get around, y'all start talking about tractors and fixing diesel engines and stuff that I don't know not a lick about. You know what I do? I keep my mouth shut. And you know what y'all think? Well, I'm sitting there going, yeah. Y'all think, yeah, Keegan knows everything I'm talking about. No, I don't. I'm, fool, I'm trying to fool you. I don't want you to turn to me. Well, how do you do that, Keegan? Um, I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. The Bible tells us if you keep your mouth shut, you'll be counted wise. It's the simplest thing. Stop talking so much. The more you talk, the more words you're going to have to give account for. Every idle word man shall give account of in the day of judgment. If you'll cut out some of those idle words, you won't have so much to give account of. Just stop talking. 
Amen? Shut up, zip it, hush, be quiet, shut your mouth, put a cork in it. And that's what bothers me. My kids, my son was growing up, he's 25 now, my son's growing up, I remember he'd come home and he's like, Dad, we can't tell people to shut up anymore. I'm like, what? <laughs> like that was, I know y'all are, y'all are like, oh, that's, that, that amazed me. I'm like, man, I was told to shut up all my life. We can't say shut up anymore, shut your mouth. Hush, clam it up, button it up, hold your tongue, keep your trap shut. That's the simplest way. So you might be asking yourself, well, after you're telling me not to talk, is there anything I can do for the Lord? Yes. There's something you can do with that mouth. Look at verse 14 and 15. And when he came into Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. God can use it. God can use your jaw against your enemies. God can use your words against your enemies. Guys, we know that Lord Jesus Christ, we know He taught us not to be violent. He taught us to be loving and kind. But Paul taught us us too to use words salted with grace. And we should be able to tell the truth. Amen? And I'm telling you, when you have people, they're running their mouth at you. I've had people knocking on my, like Jehovah's Witness. There's been Jehovah's Witnesses that knock on my door. And they're, they're talking to me, and I said, well, y'all don't believe in hell, and we get to talk about hell, and they'll be rah, rah, and the Lord will give me something, guys, and he'll do it for you too. He'll give you something, and you'll say that to them. You, the look on their face is like you slapped them. You might as, I might as well have slapped them. What's hellfire then? If, 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 fire, if, if hell is a grave, then what's hellfire? What's grave fire? They look on the, like you just slapped them. And I've told story after story of the Lord using me and putting words in my mouth to say to somebody that's attacking me. He'll do it for you. And that's a good feeling too. It's not me, it's the Lord in me. And you're sitting back there and you say, well, I'm not a good speaker, I can't talk, or I'm not very... Don't worry about it, let the Lord speak through you. The Lord will speak through you and use your words to slay your enemies and to shut their mouth. I've seen it. It's a wonderful thing when you see it happening. I've seen young people do that. I've seen young people attacked by atheists and attacked by uh, people who hate the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've seen young people, they come up with some of the greatest sayings and come back with some of the greatest comebacks. I don't like to mess with the young people. (laughs) Pretty sharp-minded. I'm going to close here. I've got one I want to close here on. Verse 18. The final one I want to show you. Verse 18. And Samson, he was sore thirst. He got really thirsty. He just got through killing a thousand men. You can't blame him. And he called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof, in Hakor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. The well of him that cried, is what that word means. God can use your jaw. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. In closing, God can use your words, can use your jaw, can use your tongue to give, to, to help a thirsty man be quenched. 
There's men and women out there who are thirsting for righteousness. They're thirsting for something more. They're thirsting for something that will quench their... There's something in them that can't quench it. They try to quench it with alcohol. They try to quench it, quench it with maybe sex, with carousing, with work, with whatever they can come up with. And they, they, but they still got this nagging in them. They can't be quenched. And the Lord Jesus Christ can use your words to quench that man's thirst for righteousness. And can give it to you. And look at here. It says, And when he had drunk, his spirit came again. You can lift somebody's spirits. I told you all the bad things we say and all the bad things we can say. Guys, just one kind word at the right time can be wonderful to somebody. I've had some, and, and the same thing that's happened to me where I'll be in that foyer or be out there trying, and somebody says something that cuts me to the, to the bone. I've had some people come through there, and they'll say something to me, and they don't even realize what they're saying to me, and my heart just swells. And it's kind words go a long way. Kind words go a long way. You can lift somebody's spirits. Proverbs 25, 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The Bible says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? You can say the right words at the right time, guys, and you can change somebody's life. It says here that Samson thirsted. He was thirsty. And Jesus Christ said in John chapter 7, this is a great set of scriptures. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible goes on to say that was talking about the Holy Spirit. How does rivers of living water flow out of a believer? Right out of your mouth. So as bad as this mouth can be and as dangerous as this tongue can be and how we need to keep a guard on it, we need to make sure we're not saying the wrong words. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ can use your mouth to save souls. To encourage people, to lift people up, to be a blessing. When the whole world is cussing people out, we can be the one to say, hey, I love you. You know how you can change somebody's life by simply telling them you love them? See, some of us grew up in really good families. Some of us grew up in families where the dad and the mom told them, Hey, I love you, baby. I love you. I love you, honey. They tell you I love you all the time. But there's people who grew up in a family, they've never heard love. They've never had somebody tell them they love them. And I've been in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a position where I could grab them and say, Hey, man, I love you. And they literally break down and start crying. And I, it takes me off guard because I'm used to telling people I love them. And you tell them, hey, I love you. And they, tears start flowing down. I've never had anybody tell me they love me. This mouth, as dangerous a weapon as it can be, and how we can slay people like Samson did with that jawbone, this mouth can be lifting and glorifying Jesus Christ and praising God and being a blessing to so many people. And we can all do it with the... Mouth that God's given us as the waters, the living waters flow out of our mouth, out of our belly. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just read what he said. He said, come on. Are you thirsty? Come on, I'll give you a drink. 
And somebody who's never took Jesus Christ doesn't know anything about what I'm talking about. It's like a glass of water. Until you've took a drink of Jesus Christ, you'll never understand what I'm talking about. And all I can tell you this morning is don't worry about what you've done or what you might be doing or what you're going to be doing today. You don't worry about anything but this moment and think, do I know Jesus Christ? I ever took a taste of Jesus Christ? If you can honestly say, I don't think I've ever took Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Come on down. Don't worry about anything else. Come on down and take Jesus Christ and let him take you and he'll wash you and cleanse you. You'll never be the same. And you'll be born again. And you'll be like me, and you can say, I, don't, I know I make mistakes, I know i got a big mouth, but I still know I'm going to heaven. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we ask for forgiveness where our mouth gets away from us, Lord God. You know we're just flesh. Lord, in the world we live in, it's so easy to gripe and complain about everything, Lord God. The devil's moving so strong, Lord God. But help us to be that blessing you want us to be, Lord God. Help us to say those words that we need to say to somebody, Lord. Just a good morning, or how you doing, or hello, or just simple words like that, Lord. We know that can change a man or a woman's life, Father. Help us to be a blessing to people and not a curse. Lord, help you. Lord, I pray, Father, you, you work through us and people will see you in us. Shine forth out of us, Lord God. And I pray, Father, those words that come out of our mouths, will be, they'll be your words, the Holy Spirit speaking, Lord, not our own. Help us to have a right heart towards you, Lord God. And, Father, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, we'll give the invitation, they'll come on down and get saved. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, 
And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.